She's one of my best friends. She was plant-based. So I slowly leaned into it. I noticed a big change when I went to my rheumatologist and we did labs. And she comes in the room and she's like, what are you doing differently? Your inflammation levels are so low. And then I was like, oh, I went plant-based. Could that be it? And she cheered. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries and healthy cities around the globe. Canberra, Australia, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Frisco, Texas. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 34 of season five, number 333 overall. And today's exam room menu is serving up a healthy dose of inspiration. Ali DiGiacomo, a social media star and personal trainer. But she's not your ordinary talking head because she knows what she's talking about. And what she's talking about is rheumatoid arthritis. At one time, Ali had a promising swimming career, but RA forced her out of the pool. And she hid this painful diagnosis for years, embarrassed to share it at such a young age. But eventually, she could barely walk. She needed a cane and sometimes even a wheelchair. And she had so much fluid being drained from her knee. Her doctors told her that her joints looked like those of somebody who was 50 years older than she was. And so here's Allie, barely in her 20s at this point, trying everything and still in excruciating pain. But then, then she went to a plant-based diet. And as you heard her say at the top, the results, phenomenal. So much to the point that even her doctor began to celebrate. So today we are going to hear Allie's story and how she is inspiring millions of others now through her fun social media posts that document her struggles, but more importantly, her triumphs. But that's just one story though. How about 16 others? Dr. Hanna Kaliova has all of them. She studied 16 people with rheumatoid arthritis, wondering what effect could a plant-based diet have? Would they have the same success as Allie? Well, the results, very exciting. Lots of hope for tens of millions living with RA around the world right now. So I can't wait for Dr. Kaliova to share the details of that study with us. Also today, COVID-19. What can we learn from the Spanish flu outbreak of more than a century ago? It appears that diet played a role then and it's playing another one now. It's a connection to the past as we march toward a healthier future. And more on that when we check in at the exam room news desk. But first, inspiration and hope. Ali Giacomo is thriving with rheumatoid arthritis and what's powering her along begins with what's on her plate. Ali, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited that you're here too, because you are a genuine bona fide TikTok superstar. How many followers do you have right now? Uh, I think like 124,000, which is crazy. (laughs) She says humbly, 124,000. No, that's pretty cool though. Like it's, it's a fun message. And what strikes me is that TikTok is really skews to a younger demographic. And I know with my friends, when I was in my 20s, we certainly weren't talking about RA, but how many people are you hearing from who are your same age who are like, yeah, this is my struggle too? Hundreds, actually thousands, which I thought was impossible because when I got diagnosed, I didn't know a single person with RA, actually didn't know a single person with autoimmune disease. So the fact that I talked to hundreds of people with it is, it blows my mind. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I would imagine so. And that's kind of the cool thing about social media is that it brings this entire world together. You know, the the, the distance is kind of irrelevant at this point. And that's really important when you're talking about spreading a healthy message. Um, So you're 15 when you were diagnosed. I would imagine that was not the easiest thing in the world for you. 15, you think like the world is your oyster. You don't have a care in the world. But what kind of symptoms were you experiencing and how was that affecting your quality of life? 
Yeah. So um, I was 15. I was at school at the time. I was actually a boarding school. Um, and we thought actually it was a, a water polo injury. So I was at water polo practice and um, I was a really great swimmer and I was unable to keep myself above water, which is very unusual for me. I had swam my whole life. When I got out of the water, my knee was about two to three times its size. So immediately we thought it was an injury, um, but I had to get my knee drained. So my knee aspirated where they put a big needle in and they pull out fluid. When the doctor pulled out the fluid, he immediately said, this seems like rheumatoid arthritis. This is before any testing, MRIs or anything. Um, and then a couple MRIs I had to get to, multiple knee drainings. A couple months later, I had surgery. And the surgeon saw my joint and he said that my joint looked like that of a 65-year-old person's joint. Mm. Um, and I was 15 at the time. So um, the quality of life after that was pretty difficult. I actually didn't tell anybody um, at school about it. I was so young at the time. I didn't really think much of it. I was like, okay, um, I didn't really think it was going to be long term. I was going to have this for life. I kind of brushed it off because I did quite well after surgery. I didn't have to go on medication right away. I did have to uh, give up sports for half a year and it did ruin my swimming career. I was trying to go to university for swimming and that's where it really hit me um, that this is changing my life. Um, but I still, for I didn't tell anybody for a good 10 years that I had RA and that I was struggling with it. It's because I didn't know anybody who was dealing with that. And um, I didn't want to let my friends know. I, I don't know why I was not like ashamed, but I was um, kind of embarrassed about it. Um, especially with my swimming career. Um, and I was really embarrassed that I was no longer a great swimmer. Um, so yeah, it did hit me mentally in high school and I don't, I wish I spoke up about it sooner. Um, and I really love to bring awareness, especially for kids with JIA, juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Um, so, so they don't feel so alone. Yeah. I mean, being a teenager is awkward enough and you're trying to figure everything out and then you're facing this struggle and you, you do, I mean, whether it's this or anything else, so, so often kids feel like they're the only person in the world who's having this problem and why me? And, and so I think that it's really cool that you're able to put this out there. I would imagine, you know, even now, especially being on TikTok, you're hearing from kids who are in high school who are like, oh my God, thank you. I am. I am. Every time I get a message from a kid in high school um, or even their parents, like I have parents reach out to me like my, my teenager or my kid is going through this. Like, how can I help? And I think that's the coolest thing um, because also parents have to go through that as well if they don't know anything about RA. And um, I have a couple of high school friends <laughs> who I encourage um, and I always tell them to speak to other people who are at their age and are going through it um, because it will really help because there are some um, kids who have RA and um, it's an invisible illness. And so maybe their peers at school won't understand, like, why aren't they taking the test? Why aren't they going to prom? Why aren't they, um, you know, they're ha having exceptions, maybe like an exam, they could take a little bit longer because it's invisible. They don't know. So um, I can kind of see where they feel very isolated and very alone, or maybe they're using a cane and then the kids make fun of them because they, it's an old person's disease. Um, so it warms my heart every time I talk to somebody in high school, because I know what that's like. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you, I mean, you were just talking about having to give up sports, but did it affect other aspects of your life, life, like going to prom? Did you have to use a cane, anything like that? Not in high school. So I was able to go to prom. Um, sometimes I have issues walking um, and that really challenging. Actually, it hit me right after college. Um, so I was okay for a while after that, but after college, I had just graduated. I started my first job that's when my RA came back pretty aggressively. I was unmedicated at the time and um, I could not walk. And my job was to be a production assistant on a TV show, which if anybody knows what that's like, you're on your feet all day. And um, I couldn't walk. And I remember one of my coworkers being like, you better hide that or else they're gonna fire you. And I was like, oh gosh, and I panicked. Um, and I had to talk to my boss about it. That's when I had to get a cane. Um, I actually had to leave the job. They're very nice, very accommodating. So if anybody is really nervous about telling your boss something like that, don't be. They were very sweet. They tried to keep me on, but um, I made a decision to leave, which is really hard. And I did have to get a cane. My boyfriend got me a very beautiful cane, <laughs> um, but that was a really hard thing to do and have to use a cane. I was 21 at the time. Um, and I was unable to work, which was really challenging. And I would use a cane, I would use crutches or any wheelchair assistance I could get at the grocery store or at the airport. And I still uh, didn't get a handicap uh, 
tag for the car. Um, I don't know why I really needed it. And at the time I was like, this isn't happening. I don't need this. I'm 21 and I didn't do it. Um, and I do regret that. <laughs> so, so we hear about how it's limiting your life, but what does an actual flare up feel like for those who have never experienced it? I mean, it obviously it's debilitating, but talk to us about it. Yeah, there are different types of flare-ups. So anybody really dealing with rheumatoid arthritis or an autoimmune disease, you can see flare-ups in different ways. For me, when I was younger, a flare-up would be when my knee would, was fluid, so synovial fluid, it really inflamed. My body thought that there was an infection, and so all my blood cells would go there and kind of help it. And so my knee, if I could explain it, felt like there was really hot oil inside of my knee, and it was huge. It would hurt to the touch. It was warm, and I could not put any pressure on it. So I couldn't even make it from the couch to get to the bathroom. So my mom would have to come, like, help pick me up and get me over there because I couldn't put any pressure on it. And so for me, that's what a flare-up was. Now, that's an extreme flare-up. There are also flare-ups where you just feel very achy, very sore in those joints, like I have it in my elbow. Maybe some days my elbow can't extend. It could fill with a little bit of fluid, and it's kind of stuck. Um, and so it could be that, or it could just be achy. Um, it ranges, but for me, the biggest flare up is when I have to go to the doctor to get it drained. So they go with a big needle and they drain the fluid out. Um, and it could be a lot. I think the most I had was like 75 cc's. Um, I ended up having to get my knee drained seven times in seven weeks. So I was getting it drained once a week. <laughs> Wow. I hear about that with athletes having covered football for a, a number of years. You get a knee injury and they have to go in there and they have to drain it. I know what 75 cc's is. I mean, you could dag on near fill, fill a pool with that. I mean, that is just an insane amount of fluid. And yeah, that 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 just doesn't doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot of fun to me um, whatsoever. I, I do want to shift it over to nutrition now. Obviously, that's such a huge part of what we do here at the exam room. And so I'm curious about what was your diet like when you were 15 and you were first diagnosed and then up until your early 20s and you were working as the production assistant? My diet was awful. <laughs> Nobody's. <laughs> Nobody spoke to me about it. I was um, I was a kid. Um, it never came up in, I guess, in 10 years of me having it. Nutrition never came up with the doctors, with anybody, with my peers, um, adults. Nobody spoke to me about it. So um, my nutrition was pretty bad. Um, however, with patients with rheumatoid arthritis, we tend to have pretty bad gastro problems, which nobody told me. And um, when I went into college, high school, I um, was losing lots of weight and I was not able to keep anything down. Um, and so my nutrition was cereal. Like I could just eat Cheerios and oatmeal and that's it. Um, yeah, for the longest time. So it was very poor dieting. It wasn't until about 10, 12 years later that um, I started to dive into it and do my own research about nutrition. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a heck of a restrictive diet uh, there, Cheerios and oatmeal. Um, I, I would imagine that would get old pretty quickly. Um, so how was that taking a toll on you, uh, you know, cardiovascularly, right? So you, you've been this athlete, you're swimming, I mean, tip top shape you're having these flare-ups, you're in pain. It's not exactly like you can go out running if you can't even make it to the bathroom. Nope. No. Oh no. I gave up fitness completely, like completely gave it up. My doctors and my mom were like, you need to get moving. My mom was really encouraging me. And I just thought, how on earth do you expect me to move when I can't even make it to the bathroom? And I used to get mad. I was like, I have bad joints. At this point, um, I pretty much have joint damage in my right knee. And I just was in disbelief. I was like, I will not move. So I was eating unhealthy and I wasn't moving because I couldn't. <laughs> um, and again, no doc. I mean, the doctors would encourage me to move, but it was kind of just like before I left the office, they'd be like, okay, maybe try to get a little bit exercise and go ahead, you know, go try this. And I'm like, oh God, I had no guidance. Um, but yeah, so my health was just very poor. All right. So we, we've got Cheerios and we've got oatmeal, but I mean, like, were you going for comfort food at any point? Were there pints of ice cream that would disappear? Were there trips to the drive-through? What else was happening? French fries. Um, that was another thing that didn't trigger me. Um, I actually wasn't a sweet eater, so no ice cream for me, but all the salty things, which if you have already is not the best thing. Um, sodium, not good. And I was just eating I would eat French fries, uh, cheese plates. Oh my, the um, charcuterie boards. My boyfriend and I would just eat cheese plates all the time. Um, 
meat on it too. Um, I was, uh, I did eat back then. I was somewhat, I was a little bit of a vegetarian, but I was just eating everything, anything that wouldn't hurt. Um, but no, not ice cream, but French fries all the way, like every other day. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yeah, you're, you're not alone with that one either. That is for daggone sure. Were you able to tell a difference like right away after you would eat something that was high in sodium? So French fries, it seems like you were able to at least tolerate, but were there certain foods that you were able to identify? Like, I know if I eat this, I'm going to pay the price for it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, French fries, gastro problems would be okay, but um, joints would get inflamed. At this point, when I was just had a really poor diet, um, my joints were not great. Um, and soy sauce was one of them. Um, I always, I did try to avoid soy sauce, soy sauce at the time. Um, but um, at this point with my poor diet, my joints just felt very achy. It wasn't until um, I really dived in nutrition and really changed my diet to plant-based that I noticed I felt better. Um, so yeah, no, like everything, I was just achy all the time. <laughs> So what did that, what made that connection for you? Was it as simple as, oh, when I eat this, this happens. So let me see if there is more of a connection here between what it is I'm eating and all of these flare ups. Oh yeah. Um, I did notice that. So with like the sodium intake, I started cooking my own food. Um, and I am a terrible cook. So <laughs> it's definitely possible. I will, I never cry, but I will cry in the kitchen. Like that is how awful of a cook I am, but I decided to start making my own food and, um, cooking without salt, um, without all that sodium. And then I started to notice a difference. Like, wow. Okay. They put a ton of sodium in food when you eat out. And because I'm a terrible cook, my boyfriend and I were always eating out constantly. Um, even like right before COVID just always eating out. And when I noticed when I cooked at home, I would feel a lot better. So there you go. So that, that was kind of like the precipice for mm -hmm. all of this, right? It, it planted the seed. And then I'm assuming then you just kind of went down that rabbit hole, like so many people do, and you start looking at more and more and more things you get on Google and, and finally it takes you in a healthier direction. Oh yeah. And then, um, I started, so as I said, I didn't know anybody with RA. So I started my Instagram account and just because I needed to reach out to people who were going through the same thing. And, um, through that, I met hundreds of people with RA. Um, one of them being one of my best friends who lives out in San Francisco. And I noticed that she was plant-based. Um, and we never really talked about it, but then she casually talked about it with me and was like, Hey, have you ever thought about this? And I was like, I don't know. It sounds too hard. And she says, well, it really like helps me. And I was like, okay, I will do anything. Like I tried all the diets, Chuck, like AIP. I did all of them you could possibly try. Um, and none of them really helped. Um, but when she said that, I was like, all right, I'm going to try. So I slowly leaned into it and I noticed a significant difference enough to celebrate. <laughs> um, and, and then there was, um, this one time where I introduced dairy back into my diet, um, I think somebody was cooking for me and I just started eating it again. And after about a week or two, I felt awful. And that's when it hit. Um, I just, I felt so sick. Um, my joints were really achy and I've never experienced, um, achiness like that. Like my whole body was achy and I, I was like, what did I do? And I was like, oh wow, I've been eating dairy for two weeks. Um, and so then I cut it out completely. And um, I noticed a big change when I went to my rheumatologist and we did labs and she comes in the room and she's like, what are you doing differently? Like what's happening? Your inflammation levels are so low. Like we won't even need to test you next time. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's happening. And then I was like, oh, I went plant-based. Could that be it? And she cheered. She started jumping up and down and she was clapping for me. And um, it was a great celebration. So that is actually the first time nutrition came up in a conversation with doctors. And that was about 12 years after. After my diagnosis. Well, okay. So you had an undercover plant-based doctor, basically like why in the world didn't y'all have that conversation sooner, Allie? I know I said that to her and she was like giving me all these podcasts and these recommendations and she was giving me high fives and it was the best appointment I've ever had. And I'm like, I don't know why we didn't, I don't know why we didn't talk about this sooner. And I don't know why because a lot of people message me in my DMs and they're like, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm eating plant-based. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, why hasn't a doctor ever like talked about nutrition? They always ask me about nutrition and they say that they don't talk about it with their doctors. And I'm like, I feel like this needs to be discussed way more. <laughs> yeah. Like no, yeah. no kidding. And, mm -hmm. and so like on a scale of one to 10, if you could just quantify this for us, compare like, you know, uh, how painful your symptoms were previously to where you are today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I guess, t uh, 10 being like pain. 
10 being most improved. Most improved. Yeah. I mean, I'm at like a, um, I'm still, we still have issues. Um, but when it comes to inflammation, I'm at like an eight or a nine now, which is really exciting. Before it was, I would say zero, like I, I couldn't walk. So <laughs> quality of life is terrible. I had to quit my job. I didn't really have much of a life. So zero now I'm like eight or nine. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say so, because here's the part that we haven't gotten to yet. It's you didn't really go back into TV production. Um, maybe you did, but today you're a freaking trainer. Like oh, you yes. just went from like zero to a hundred with this stuff. And like, wow, if that isn't really a testament to the importance of proper nutrition, Allie, I don't know what is. Yes. Yeah. So I am a personal trainer now. I never, ever thought that would ever happen. Especially if we told 15 year old me who couldn't walk, if I was going to be a trainer, I want to believe you, but um, yes, with nutrition um, mixed with um, being on proper medication um, and exercising every single day, I made it. And it took, it was a long time. It took me about two, three years. And I would start out with walking. And then I started with 20 minutes of flow impact a day. But the thing that was different is I was consistent. Like I did it every single day. And if I had a flare, I always say this on Instagram, but if I had a flare, I would dance in my chair, anything to get moving. If I couldn't walk, then I would move my upper body. If my upper body was flaring, I would go for a walk, like anything. And after a good year, I was doing really well. I even went for a run, which is like unheard of when you have RA. And <laughs> so, yeah, um, consistency, you guys just be consistent. It really helps with nutrition and with fitness. <laughs> Did you kind of gravitate toward that just so you can kind of thumb your nose at RA? Like, Haha, you're not going to get the best of me. I'm going to go be a trainer now and yeah, bleep, whatever, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Especially because um, I was so athletic growing up and um, I was bringing awareness online. Like I like to make really funny videos on TikTok, especially if I don't feel well. That's my outlet is I make funny videos about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back into fitness. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to prove my to my body. I'm going to prove RA wrong. I'm going to prove that I can do it. And I just going and like, wow, I can really do this. And now I feel like I'm not, I'm not as great as I was when I was summer. We tend to mourn our past selves, but we do have to celebrate how far we've come. And I, I still celebrate every single day the fact that I can like jump and I can dance. And I teach a dance fit class like four times a week. And the fact that I can just like get up and move. I just celebrate it all the time. I think it's too cool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know what? So that feeling is never going to leave you. I, I know exactly what it is you're talking about being 13 years removed from version 1.0. Um, and it, I still identify so much with that old person. It makes me appreciate this new body that I'm still inhabiting and, and all of the things that I'm able to do now that once just seemed like a complete pipe dream. So I guarantee you 13 years from now, 20, 30 years from now, you're going to have that same enthusiasm. It's never going to leave you. I promise. No, no, I'm still so excited. Oh my goodness. That's why I bring awareness and I make really funny videos every day because I'm just so excited to move. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. So we, we know what the old diet looked like and we know that now you're eating a plant-based diet, but let's dive into some specifics there. When we're talking about what are the favorite foods of Ali Giacomo, what are we talking about? Oh my goodness. Okay. So like I said, I'm not a good cook, right? Um, <laughs> you don't have to be like, I'm awful. So I tend to eat the same things every day. For me, it's a quinoa bowl. Like, um, we'll start with overnight oats in the morning or some type of oatmeal with lots of berries and fruit. Um, and then a quinoa bowl full of veggies. Um, that, those are my go-to you honestly, I call it like the refrigerator meal. Like just go in your fridge, grab any veggies you have, um, heat them up on a pan with some quinoa, something crunchy in there to make it fun. And that you're good to go. It's so easy. You guys, I swear, if you can't cook, I promise you can do that. It's so easy. <laughs> Oh, that sounds really good, actually. And yeah, that's that's kind of what I discovered, too. It's like, just grab the stuff that's in your fridge and like nine times out of 10, it's going to go so well together with like yeah. no effort. It's mm -hmm. it's amazing. Like I, I always talk about the kitchen sink salad. So you've got your quinoa bowl. I've got the kitchen sink salad where it's just like, OK, what vegetables do I have in there that I can roast? Oh, OK, boom. Let's throw that on a bed of greens. And it's always flipping delicious. Yeah, always. Yeah. Always. It's really, yeah. yeah. And people are like, how are you doing a plant-based diet? Like, it's so hard. And I'm like, it's, it's really not like, <laughs> and I can't cook. And I'm telling you that like people think they have to be professional like chefs um, to do it. And I'm like, you guys know, like I just eat oatmeal and quinoa. And I'm good. 
Yeah, really. So it, yeah, I, but um, it's yeah, and I do try to venture out and make really fun bowls. Like there are so many recipes online, and I know you have your nice cream, which I'm gonna have to get the recipe for that because I always hear you talk about that. Um, and get some nice cream. Oh my goodness, no, it's so much fun, and I feel better. And it, you just, it's more fun to cook when you feel better afterwards too. <laughs> oh no question, no no question whatsoever. And yeah, I will definitely hook you up with that. And then you, I'll give you the base, and then you can kind of tinker with it and make it your own, right? So it's kind of like the quinoa bowl. There's nothing you can put in there that's really gonna make it suck, except for onions. I wouldn't recommend putting <laughs> onions or garlic in there. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, let's talk seriously, like right now, um, I want to talk about, you say that, uh, you are still using medication, um, which is great. So you're kind of, um, using what we have, uh, as far as, you know, pharmaceuticals, whatever it is that you want to call it, but you're using that in addition to nutrition. So you're kind of getting that one, two combination. Now, here's why I bring this up because there is a segment of the population out there who is very much um, anti-traditional medicine. And, um, a lot of times believe that if you go the holistic route, that can be everything. And Ali, I wish to God that that was the case for everything. It's not though. And so how do you deal with that type of criticism? Oh goodness. I call them the medicine chambers. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> people in the um, autoimmune disease community deal with that a lot. Um, that's actually something I struggled with um, mentally when I uh, was going through it is you wouldn't expect, but a lot of people would slide into your DMs and be like, you shouldn't be on this medication. Um, and you really need to do this. And the, my favorite line is they come at me and they're like, you need to be plant-based. And I'm like, ma'am <laughs> i am i am a trainer like i am plant-based um yeah and they come at you and it's really difficult um especially like if you don't know anybody in the community um you can have friends and even family like family will reach out and be like you really shouldn't be on these toxic drugs and we're like listen i don't want to be on these drugs but i need them to live and uh for me it did help me live um they helped me walk um and so I'm, I'm always advocating for this and um, I'm all about balancing, like do the holistic approach on top. If you need the medication, take the medication, balance, the, do both of them. Um, if you're able to live holistically on that, then that's great. I cheer you on. That's awesome. But you know, some of us can't. And um, so just don't put us down because we don't want to inject ourselves once a week. It's not fun. I promise. I know I make funny videos about it, but we really don't want to shove a needle in our thigh every week. Um, but it does help us live. Um, and so, but I think it's best to do the two. So don't just take medication and you know, go to McDonald's every day. Um, <laughs> some people do that. Some Sometimes their doctors, um, unfortunately, don't tell them about the um, holistic approach. And so some people see a naturopath as well, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, do both. Do health and fitness. Um, if you need a medication, okay, that's great. Do all of that. Work with your doctor. Talk to your doctor about nutrition. Um, don't be afraid to speak up about it. Um, I know it gets a little nerve wracking when you get to the doctor's office, but I like to keep a list. I get in there and I'm like, let's go over all these things. <laughs> so yeah. No, nah, that, that's, that's cool. And, and the way that I look at that with RA or any other condition is that, you know, think about how much more medication you would need if you weren't eating a plant-based diet, right? Like it's, it's night and day. You were just talking about right, people yeah. will take the meds and, and go to McDonald's. I guarantee you that crew is not working as a personal trainer either, you know? Um, and they're, they're going to be far more prone to, to flare up. So you do get a, an incredible quality of life. And um, I, I do wish personally, I can't speak for the organization that there, there wasn't so much shame associated with it. And I know that there's also guilt that can, uh, that can come in. You were just talking about feeling guilty um, from time to time. And, and so, you know, just do the best that you can do with all of the tools that you have available. And that's, yeah. again, not me speaking for the organization. That's, that's just me speaking from, from my heart. So. Yeah. And listen, if you do both, like if you um, say like me, I got a plant-based diet, I was able to go down on my medication, which I was think that was really great. So after that appointment, we lowered one of um, the nasty drugs that I'm on and we celebrated that. That was really cool. So um, yeah, if anything, maybe you can start lowering it. I'm not going to be off of it. Probably they said ever, but I mean, going lower is just, that's awesome. So I'm going to continue, you know, with nutrition and fitness. And I really encourage every spoonie to do that. 
For sure. And look, you know, obviously you're just one story, but we we just did this incredible study here at the Physicians Committee looking at the benefits of a plant-based diet, specifically for people who are living with RA and the benefit, the improvement that they experienced was off the charts, just like yours. You know, so many of these study participants, they got their freaking life back, Allie. You know, know, a life that they they thought that they were robbed of years ago and suddenly they have it back. And it's just like, that is the greatest gift that they could possibly be given. And I'm sure that they are all living with that same zest, that same zeal, that same enthusiasm that you have every morning now when you wake up. Yes. That, I read that study. It was really close telling people at the gym. I was like, look at this study. Me. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah. Well, that that is super cool. And uh, here's the thing. If you are on TikTok, if you are on Instagram, I highly recommend giving Ali a follow. Another day with RA is the handle to follow. Very catchy, by the way. I like that a lot. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you you are very creative on there um, w- with the music and stuff. I can see why you have 100,000 plus followers. And I'm, I'm sure in time you're going to have 100,000 more, no doubt. But um, I do you. appreciate you you taking the time to be here today, sharing an incredible story. And I'm so happy for you. Like, congratulations, getting your life back. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. It warms my heart hearing that. Thank you so much. <laughs> What a great story. To go from needing a cane or a wheelchair so early in life to now being a personal trainer and thriving while living with rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, that is the stuff that Hollywood scripts are made of, right? It's the thing that dreams are made of. Forget movie magic. It is literally the things that dreams are made of. But Allie is living a dream come true. That's what makes her so inspirational. And she puts so much of that inspiration on her social media, on TikTok and on Instagram. And even if your childhood is many years in the rearview mirror, I guarantee you watch some of her posts, you're going to feel young again. There's no doubt about it. She's just that much fun. She's so good at what she does on there. So we have links to her Instagram and TikTok accounts right now in the episode notes for you. So often I hear from you guys wondering, is there a good plant-based doctor near where I live? Here's your solution. The Barnard Medical Center. Telemedicine visits are available in a large portion of the country. So schedule an appointment today. It's like getting a house call wherever you are. Call 202-527-7500 or log on to barnardmedical.org to get started. Get set up and on a healthier path because there is hope to improve your health just like what we heard with Allie. It's like modern medicine plus a heavy focus on diet and preventative medicine. And that is like the healthiest combination that there possibly could be. So 202-527-7500 or barnardmedical.org for a full list of states where services are available and insurance is accepted. So we just heard from Allie and her incredible story, but there are plenty of others. In this case, 16 of them. Dr. Hanna Kaliova and her team of researchers conducted a study with 16 people who have RA. And they looked at doing exactly what Allie did. Dr. Kaliova wanted to see what the effect would be on rheumatoid arthritis if the patients were eating a plant-based diet. And the results, (laughs) they speak for themselves. Here's Dr. Kaliova with the exciting findings. Dr. Kaliova, thanks for being back here. Thanks for having me, Chuck so good to see you again. Yeah, so good to be here. Oftentimes when you're on the show, we talk about diabetes, but today we're talking about RA. And the thing that I know about RA is that when I said it was painful just a minute ago, mm-hmm. I've seen people just literally crippled over and crippled over and had their days just ruined by it. So when we're talking about pain and RA, I mean, how painful is this condition? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, like it affects the small joints in the hands, in the wrists, the knees, but also other joints in the body. 
and they're not only painful but also swollen uh, and eventually over the course of many years of the disease uh, there may be a permanent damage so it may be a disabilitating disease also uh, you know a big cause of a disability uh, so um, that's this is no fun uh, we know that there's genetic factors, but also environmental factors. Uh, and, uh, you know, among the factors that we can influence, um, diet seems to be one of them. Uh, it's an autoimmune condition, which means that, that it may be triggered by certain proteins. Um, and that's why you know, we were trying to figure out, you know, if we modified the diet, could we, um, could we help these people with their pain and with their swollen joints? And that's exactly why uh, we conducted a, a clinical trial. We were looking into the effects of a plant-based diet for rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and the findings have just been published uh, in the American Journal of Lifestyle Medicine. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, uh, when people come in with their joint pain, uh, I need to say not all joint pain is due to rheumatoid arthritis. So in our study, we had a rheumatologist who verified the diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. And he was also making sure to, to do the counts of the joints and uh, all the assessments that rheumatologists do uh, without knowing which group the participants were in, both at baseline and then, in, uh, then at midpoint and then at the end of the study. We recruited 44 people with rheumatoid arthritis and they were randomly assigned to either uh, the diet phase or the supplement phase uh, for 16 weeks. And then after the 16 weeks were over, we reassessed their joint pain and we were using questionnaires and also the rheumatologist met with them and uh, we drew their labs. Uh, and after a four-week washout period, uh, for four week of a break, um, they switched over to the opposite uh, intervention. So those who were on the diet previously um, went on a supplement, and those who were on a supplement went on the diet for another 16 weeks. And then we did all the final assessments again. Now... Um, let me describe the diet. What, what exactly was the diet about? Uh, for the first four weeks, it was a low-fat vegan diet. That means no animal products, no meat, no dairy, no cheese, no eggs for four weeks. Then for another three weeks, on the top of eliminating all the animal foods, we also eliminated uh, certain plant foods. For example, gluten-containing grains, soy foods, uh, and certain vegetables and fruits. Uh, and for the last nine weeks, we were reintroducing the eliminated foods one by one back into the diet. And if the reintroduced foods didn't cause any problems, uh, the participants just kept them in the diet and kept adding new and new foods. However, if, let's say, introducing potatoes back to the diet caused a lot of joint pain and, uh, you know, the joints were swollen again, then the potato was just out of the diet again and we were testing other foods which provided each participant with individualized food triggers that would cause the, the joint pain and, and swelling. Uh, here's the list of all the eliminated foods on the elimination diet. So in addition to eliminating all the animal foods uh, during the, uh, after four weeks, during the subsequent three weeks, we, we excluded all the gluten-containing grains uh, some vegetables such as potatoes and sweet potatoes and onions and tomatoes and eggplants and celery. Uh, 
only a couple of fruits, such as apples and bananas and citrus fruit, uh, nuts and peanuts, uh, soy foods and chickpea, and also chocolate, coffee, sugar, alcohol, and nutritional yeast. So these foods were eliminated for three weeks and then they were reintroduced one by one. Every two days, the participants added an, another food from this, from this elimination diet list. Now, the disease activity measured by the DAS28 score, uh, which is one of the, the major uh, rheumatologist assessments, um, didn't change significantly on the supplement, or which was a placebo, uh, but was reduced substantially uh, during the diet uh, by 2.1 points. Um, and I need to say that we also did another analysis looking at people who increased their medications uh, during the study. When we excluded them, we, we got similar results. And also when we took participants with no medication changes uh, whatsoever during the study and left only them, then uh, the results were comparable as well. Uh, and another significant finding from the study was the number of swollen joints, uh, which was reduced by 3.7 uh, during the diet phase and didn't change significantly on the placebo. Uh, so uh, in conclusion, it looks like uh, the elimination plant-based diet really worked for rheumatoid arthritis and uh, can be definitely tried out. If you have rheumatoid arthritis, I'd like to encourage you to give it a try. Uh, and we will post the whole, um, uh, the whole paper with the list of the foods that, that were eliminated on the elimination diet so that you can do it yourself. Those are really fascinating results, Dr. Kaliova. Um, what was your hypothesis going into this? I mean, we know that plant-based diets by and large are anti-inflammatory. So mm -hmm. was it your suspicion that this probably would be helpful to a lot of these study participants? Yeah, exactly. Our thought was let, let's try out how a plant-based diet can help these people. We know uh, that plant-based diets in general are anti-inflammatory. Um, but then also we realized that there are certain triggers beyond the animal foods that are excluded from, from the plant-based plant diet. That's why we also included the elimination phase. Uh, unfortunately, the individual foods that need to be in, eliminated in, in, uh, in each single uh, person, uh, they completely different from one person to another. Uh, so there's no way how to predict whether a person will be reacting to a potato or a tomato uh, or an apple or onion. Uh, every person just needs to try these foods out. Uh, so one part, one part is eliminating all the animal products. And most participants reported significant improvements of, of their joint pain even after the first four weeks. Uh, but there was still some remaining pain in some of the participants, and that's where the elimination diet came into play. Interesting. Uh, I find it really interesting how wide of a variation there was yeah. as, as far as the trigger food. So what you're saying is it, you, you can't exactly say that, wow, you know, uh, fruits are more likely to be triggers or yeah. potatoes, as you said, or onions or whatever the case may be. You can't say any of that is more likely to be a trigger than another food. Do, do we have any sort of understanding as to why it varies so widely from person to person? Uh our body, it's an autoimmune condition, uh, and it's triggered by certain proteins. Uh, and it also depends on uh, your genetic um, background and also your early, early life exposures. So let's say people who were not breastfed and where cow's milk was introduced early, early in life, uh, they may react to dairy much stronger than a person who was breastfed, for example. Um, you know, there's different, uh, 
there's different foods that are being introduced in, in into the diet in the early life and some of them just turn out to be to be triggers uh, it's it's also the case with meat and um, with eggs you know the the earlier the exposure in life the higher the probability that the body will uh, be reacting to these foods later in life uh, so that's also um, stressing a point for all all mothers <laughs> you know who have small babies to be really careful about the diet of their babies uh, you know, make sure they breastfeed them long enough and also that they introduce foods that are uh, not not any of these triggers too early in, in life. And I'm looking at the list of foods that were part of the elimination diet. There were three in particular that stood out to me that I'm like, hmm, I wonder mm -hmm. if some people had a hard time eliminating mm -hmm. these completely. I'm talking about coffee. Yep. Uh, I'm talking about sugar and I'm talking about chocolate. Were, did any of the participants say, hey, look, Dr. Kaliova, <laughs> this is like so hard to take out of my life? Absolutely. There were a few people who were like, how am I going to survive without my coffee? <laughs> but they did it. You know, you can you can do everything if you put your mind to it. Like uh, going through the elimination diet gave the, the study participants unique information for the rest of their life. Let's say, um, you know, you're you're experiencing some pain in your joints, Chuck, and you don't know where the pain is coming from. And someone will tell you, you know, let's let's figure it out. Uh, over the next 16 weeks, we will know exactly what triggers your pain. Um, then you might be up for that, <laughs> you know, and you want you might be willing to eliminate all your sugar and coffee. Uh, the the strict elimination phase was only for three weeks, um, so you know it's not too bad. And also, eliminating chocolate doesn't mean eliminating the chocolate the chocolate taste and eliminating sugar doesn't mean eliminating the sweet taste either uh, so there's ways how how you can uh, somehow you know make it work so okay so when you're talking about sugar are we just talking about added refined yeah, sugar or with okay that's and correct. and so but the fruits that were not on that elimination list. They they could still freely eat as much as they wanted. Exactly. So berries and and grapes, for example, they can they 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 were able to eat as much as they wanted. All right. Well, that's a sweet relief right yep. there. That's not too bad. Um, okay. And and how confident are we, given the fact that this is an autoimmune disorder, mm -hmm. that uh, other autoimmune disorders might also see the same type of benefit? I mean, obviously they're they're all a little bit different, but you know, so we've got RA here, another autoimmune disorder, say like Sjogren's syndrome or something like that. Mm -hmm. are, are we confident that uh, you know, looking at a nutritional intervention might also prove helpful for those other conditions? Uh, it might. We just don't have the exact information uh, and some some studies need to be conducted. Uh, we're currently uh, running a study for people with type 1 diabetes, which is also an autoimmune condition. So see how we can help these people with uh, with a with a diet, um, you know, and if if that can make a difference in their life also. And what uh, final question? I mean, what was the takeaway for the participants? I mean, was it really kind of eye-opening for them if they saw real positive results? Like, wow, I've been looking for something like this my entire life, and now, oh my goodness, it's it's not medicine, it's not this, it's not that, it's it's food. Food seems to be kind of like something that can really help me out here. Was there a lot of surprise among them? Absolutely, for the first time in their life. Uh, you know, they saw relief by something as simple as a, as nutrition. And, you know, most of them were super grateful for this experience because that informed them for the rest of their life. Dr. Kaliova, medicine woman, I love it. You always bring the knowledge. So today is, is no different. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much, Chef. I am telling you, there is nobody I know who does as much research as Dr. Kaliova. She is always up to something. The study of chronic illness and diet is so important 
And Dr. Kaliova is a master at bringing that information to light. If you would like to check out her study on rheumatoid arthritis, there's a link to do that right now in the episode notes. Also there, you will find a link to watch the video of Dr. Kaliova's interview that includes her full presentation. So check that out as well. Now, coming up on Wednesday, Dr. Neil Barnard will be back with us for the next edition of The Exam Room Live. That begins noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. And if you would like to submit a question for Dr. Barnard ahead of time, go ahead and send that to me right now on Instagram or on Twitter. Message me there. I am at Chuck Carroll, WLC. Also coming up, we have shows with Dr. Will Bolsowitz, whose new fiber-fueled cookbook is about to hit store shelves. So that is very exciting. We're doing a double dip with him this month as well. And finally today, there's new evidence that a plant-based diet can be used as a powerful tool in the fight against COVID-19. For details on that, we head to the exam room news desk. Answers to our current pandemic should be learned from lessons in the past with the deadly Spanish flu outbreak of more than a century ago. It was an outbreak that claimed an estimated 50 million lives. But according to an article published by our researchers at the Physicians Committee, populations with better fitness and who were eating a healthier diet made up of fiber-rich foods such as fruits, and vegetables, and grains were less likely to become severely ill. Modern research shows the same holds true for the current COVID-19 pandemic. Mounting evidence suggests that those who eat a plant-predominant diet are at lower risk for moderate to severe symptoms if they become infected. Researchers believe the abundance of nitrates and antioxidants found in plant-based diets are particularly helpful as they guard against weakened immune function for respiratory infections while also simultaneously boosting heart health. Experts conclude plant-based nutrition be emphasized among public health safety measures as a way to reduce the spread of COVID-19 while improving the outcomes of infected patients. A link to that article can be found right now in the episode notes. And if you haven't already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to the incredible and inspirational Ali DiGiacomo for being here and Dr. Hanna Kaliova for sharing her important research with us once again. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>